0: Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtlift. This show is heard on WBCQ, The Planet, every Monday and Friday, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. And of course, that is subject to change. You can also hear this show on numerous formats. The Podomatic is our flagship platform, iHeart, Amazon, Spotify, I don't think we're getting Joe Rogan any getting nervous, but we've been uh, number four in Podomatic for conservative right category the last week or so. That's basically a drop in the bucket when it comes to Joe Rogan, but we appreciate the viewership. And by the way, we're having a little difficulty when I'm recording these. I'll do the recordings for 29 minutes and 30 seconds, give or take a few seconds, and then I, uh, then I, when I upload the show, sometimes we'll get it. I'll notice it's only twenty minutes, so that means the the um, it's been sped up, you know, speeded up. So when you listen to it, I'm, I sound like uh, I'm going a mile a minute, like I'm high on some drug, and which makes the the presentation useless. So I'm optimistic that we can work that problem out. If not, I'm going to have to find another um, platform, and maybe some folks can recommend one where we don't have that problem. Anyway, uh, today is, or I should say yesterday, Sunday, was uh, National Left-Handed Day. And I happen to be left-handed. Now, I don't know who creates all of these days, National Donut Day, National Take Your Son or Daughter to Work Day. Uh, there's just there's probably every day probably has five to ten some type of designations. But it was interesting that uh, the word sinister means left-handed and uh, in earlier in earlier days uh, if a child had gravitated to its left hand uh to write with um they would automatically the parents or teachers would try to get them to be right-handed thinking that you know being left-handed was not a good thing then as the uh, as as men or uh, as more information was uh, learned about the brain they determined that the right side of the brain deals with the left side. So the right side controls the left side and vice versa. And that's why I like to tell that uh, left-handed people are in their right mind. And we are a minority and uh, there are certain things, uh, for example, when you're firing certain weapons. Uh, now I fire right-handed for some strange reason. It just uh, It's easy for me, I guess, to to close my left eye and look down the barrel with my right eye than it does the other way around. That doesn't mean I can't shoot with my left my left side. But the old M16s, if you were left-handed, you'd get the shell hit in your face. So they had to put a little uh, a little guard there so the shell would not hit the shooter's face. And of course, uh, there's other other issues with left-handed people. But we we've, we've able to not only manage amongst people in the right-handed world, but thrive and I do say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the uh, very first left-handed president was James Garfield, and he was assassinated. Now, I don't think he was assassinated because he was left-handed. Actually, he was a very interesting, you know, he was a Civil War officer, and I think he may have raised uh, uh, the rank of general from Ohio, and uh, during the war he resigned to run for Congress and won a seat. And eventually got the nomination for president of the United States. And he was uh, killed uh, within a short amount of time into his presidency. I've been to his beautiful home in, um, I think it's in Mentor, Ohio, just a little outside, I don't know, maybe a half an hour, maybe an hour east of Cleveland. And he was the first ordained minister that became, I think the only ordained minister that became president. And what got him into prominence, at least in the eyes of the Ohio voters, was his defense of creation. Uh, of course, Darwin's book came out, um, The Origin of the Species, I think in the early 1850s, somewhere around there. And uh, although there are some people that have promoted evolution prior to that, he really made it, um, made it more accepted. And I think the subject of evolution versus creationism is uh, quite a topic. It uh, it really, a lot of people bought into the evolution, and if you buy into the evolution, how can you say the Bible is an er- the inerrant word of God? Um, you can't say, for example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the universe, if you believe in evolution. Uh, Jesus, um, you know, I thought Jesus made reference to Adam and Eve, but I guess he didn't, but there was references in the New Testament to Adam and Eve and if you believe that the bible is an in the inerrant word of god you can't believe and if you're an evolutionist you can't believe that so if the bible is up for grabs the Bible's not accurate therefore maybe there isn't a god after all and then there are others in the christian community that said well gee how do we get the bible to conform to secular science well we have the gap theory you know that god created things but uh, it wasn't a six-day literal creation. Each day could have been millions of years. So they, all oh, they kind of feel comfortable with that. But that's what happens when you take, when you take, uh, you try to conform. Take, take the truth of the Bible and try to have it conform to the scriptures. And I, I read a book some years ago. I might still have it. The Bible is history. It was some really good stuff in there. Uh, it mentioned this one particular uh, colonel in World War One. He, he was in Egypt um, or Middle East anyway, I can't remember. And he knew the, he knew a particular Old Testament story, which led him to believe there was another way to get his soldiers to a certain place to fight the battle. And when he did that, they would say, how did you know this? He says, I, whatever book it was in the Old Testament, it was, it was a fascinating book. The Bible is history. And, um, even guys like Den- Denise or Denise D'Souza, really good conservative, uh, an intellectual. I read his book about, on Christianity and he's not a, he's an evolutionist. He's not a, um, he's not a six day creationist. Um, my good friend, Jim Perloff, who has been a guest on the show over the years, and he will be at our annual family camp, uh, weekend, weekend family camp. He wrote a book called, uh, Tornado Through a Junkyard and, um, he, and he was using that phrase from a British uh, scientist who said the probability of life of humans coming into evolving from basically swamp or the swamp or, you know, single-celled creatures is like a tornado going through the junkyard in, in its wake, leaving a 747. The science doesn't support evolution at all. And, uh, and it's, it's a tough thing because secular scientists put their whole life on their atheism and their secular secular positions and when they even contemplate the thought of god it it, um it's too much but i do know some christians uh that i don't uh i think they're believers but they they do have they believe that god was the author of evolution i know i uh, uh, i spoke to one uh jehovah's witnesses by the way are evolutionists even though they claim to be great scholars of the bible and all of them know the bible very well they they miss certain parts, but they uh, and I, this, so this this um, this Christian scientist, I'm sorry, uh, Jehovah's Witness came to my house, and I was uh, very thankful because over the years I had access to the late Doctor. Walter Martin's teachings on Jehovah's Witnesses, and so I told 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 talking to them, and I have to hand, say they're very devout people. They believe in their cause, and uh, they're very morally upright folks too. Anyway, they came to the house as always a younger male and an older male or a younger female, and sometimes a married couple, but not, not that often. And I got on the subject of, uh, of evolution, and they believed that, you know, they, they, they believed in this gap theory. I says, well, that kind of throws the Bible into it. And I said, you believe Jehovah is an all-powerful God, something that we worship? Yes. I said, could he have possibly created the earth in six days? He says, well, it's possible he did that. I said, well, then if it's possible, maybe he did it after all. Maybe your teachings are wrong. And you see, when you, when you sow little doubt into anybody's mind about teachings of what, whatever their teachings are, you know, uh, that's the beginning. But there's a passage in Hebrews, Romans. It talks about a reprobate mind that God gives people over to their reprobate minds. And they thought, well, that's not such a good. Why would God do that? Well, you have people that are just wicked, that have, don't do not want to come to having a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and their minds have become darkened, reprobate, and uh, that's the uh, the king. Oh, the King James version, um, depraved is another. But I think the Greek word for that is simply non functioning. Now, a non functioning brain isn't when you say you're a degenerate mind. You think, oh, that sounds like a Bad that's worse than be saying non-functioning. But regardless, if your brain can't function, you can't think properly. You might be able many of these people on the left, they can hold on a job, some of them. They can drive, they could drive a car, drive cars, they can operate equipment, maybe, they can pay bills, they can maintain a household. But they have a depraved mind. And that was evident. I, Alton, where I live, Alton, New Hampshire, they have Alton, Alton Old Town Week. And uh, the other day, we, they had a parade. It was a little abbreviated version of former parades for some reason. But the Democrats had their little float. And they had a couple of antique cars. And they had uh, that the, the recent Supreme Court decision saying you can't discriminate based on race. They're saying it's allowing discrimination. Now, I'm reading the same decision as they're reading. It basically said that it was Harvard University, and uh, I think University of North Carolina cannot cannot use race-based discrimination when it comes to enrollment. They were excluding Chinese uh, Asians. I think it was Chinese in this case. They you know, we've reached our quota. So something just the opposite. And they look at they said there was another sign on their float that says it shouldn't be a illegal let people love whom whom they love not don't make it illegal well wait a minute now you can love somebody but that's not what the issue when they talk about uh, laws against uh, some states have passed laws saying you can't mutilate a child cannot this sex so-called sex change first off you can't change somebody's sex you can you can have surgery you can poison you can cut you can burn And you can give them drugs, uh, hormones, and estrogen that will give a a boy female characteristics and give a girl male characteristics. They can do surgical procedures and turn that penis into some type, it's not a vagina, it's not functioning, there's no womb, there's no ability to, to create, you know, to have children to get pregnant. Uh, and they call that, that somehow opposing that, opposing minors having to be subject to this procedure somehow against those who you want to love. And, it, and, and they call it racism, or not racism, but it's bigotry. And see, that's a poison mind. And they get so angry that some of them will get violent. Um, the young lady, the swimmer from the University of Pennsylvania, um, boy, she's, she's in the media a lot. She, uh, her name will come to me, uh, Anyway, she was in Texas. There were, the governor was doing a signing of a bill that he's going to uh, make into law, and they were attacking people, her and her, her friends. They were th- spitting at them, throwing bottles at them, and v- vile cursing. Is is this 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 farce that you, that you these folks support? It just leads to violence. And. You know these Democrats. <clears throat> I don't when in public like this. I'm not. In, I'm not going to debate them unless they come up to me first. But my uh, my young friend that was help, uh, helping us out at the float, he handed a few constitutions to and and, and, and uh, one of them said, "Oh, the camp constitution. This is this John Birch affiliated organization. You see, they uh, it really isn't, even though I." am a life member. Uh, the camp constitution is not a John Birch society entity. <clears throat> and it's just funny how the leftists, you know, they'll have to, they have to label something, it has to be bad. And uh, in, in the eyes of their, their mindset, if you are you promote limited government and the constitution and you dare suggest that uh, some things in politics are planned and not just accidental, the, then they call you all kinds of names. And, uh, oh, I do want to mention, so, I and I want to, I, I mentioned this book in the past a few weeks ago, which is called Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell. So I'm really getting into it. And it's just fascinating. They talk about uh, this, it's a collection of essays that he wrote over the years. And one of them is, in, one of them deals with um, the white, he the, call it the cracker culture, The the white rednecks this particular group from the northern part of England and the southern part of Scotland, when they came here, they settled in the south, and they had certain attributes that set them apart from other uh, folks from other parts of England that migrated. They tend to be quarrelsome. They didn't have high regard for education. They had a very strange dialect, and that dialect was embraced by the black slaves, and that's why uh, Thomas Sowell called called them black rednecks. Uh, and uh, he had an, uh, an excerpt of an article in a, a Michigan newspaper in the early 1930s. And it said that this group of people, they're lazy, they're uneducated, they're not willing to work, and it's going, you know, they, they're always getting into trouble. Uh, and, and they weren't talking about a group of blacks, they were talking about a group of whites, these southern rednecks. It also mentioned that in certain parts of the in the north, Blacks were living in white neighborhoods, predominantly white neighborhoods, without any issue. Uh, and then, when the blacks were migrating to these cities, uh, that's when some of these, uh, you know, uh, northern Jim Crow laws were enacted, where or uh, certain they didn't want blacks in these communities because of uh, you know the the way they behaved. And so, while well, the the northern blacks uh, were not this way at all, also he points out that. Caribbean Blacks, historically, when they've immigrated to this country, have excelled that they're under, underrepresented in prisons, that they make more money than in many cases their white counterparts. Um, he said even in the heyday of the Harlem Renaissance, most of the businesses, the thriving businesses, were owned by Black Caribbeans, and they were also subject to slavery. So something different about the way they looked at life. And he says the white liberal, they they uh, they think that they, they want to help the black man because they obviously can't do anything for themselves. So uh, that, that to me is a form of racism. So they even uh, all of these social programs that started in the nineteen sixties have made things even worse for them. the the black The black uh, made the blacks in the United States more made more progress. In a hundred years, from 1865 to 1965, enormous amounts of progress. In fact, Robert Welch, he wrote um, an essay called "To the Negroes of the South," and he pointed that out. He said he was quoting Jet magazine. He was quoting uh, other um, other uh, uh, black writers, and just the amount of the, the churches that they had, the doctors, the people in college, the standard of living. He concluded that if you if you took black America or Negro. The term Negro, by the way, was not meant to be uh, insulting. It was a term that was accepted by people as a generic term. It wasn't meant, but today, if you say Negro, you say you're racist. But he said that uh, that the black Black America would be the second the second strongest or most prosperous group of people in the world. And he pointed out that in uh, Europe, uh, post-World War II Europe, the percentage of whites going to college was less than the percentage of blacks going to college, but it also pointed out that this, this, um, these white liberals—they um, have enforced this sort of cultural thing on blacks that if a black learns how to read and excels and has a business, that person isn't really black. We've heard this before. You're not re- Joe. Listen to Joe Biden. He said, "If you don't vote for me, you're not black." So if you're a scratch, if you're a rapper, and you you adopted this, redneck culture, you're a you're a perpetual victim. You don't uh, want to learn because then you're selling out to whitey and so forth. He said this is enforced by the whites, and our friend Vince Ellison said not only is it enforced by the whites, but it's a policy of the Democrat Party. And he pointed out in his documentary, uh, "Will You Go to Hell for Me?" That Martin Luther King and his so-called civil rights activists did more damage to the black family when this nineteen sixty-five civil rights bill was being um, drawn up. Daniel Moynihan, who was a liberal Democrat from uh, New York State, uh, New York, he uh, went to these so-called civil rights people, Martin Luther King and, and others, and he said, "Whatever we do with, these, with this bill it's going to have to have the, the, the black man has to be." present in the family, in the house. Uh, and at that point, uh, the black um, single parent households were like 20%. That was unacceptable at 20%. And uh, he said he said that he he barely got out of there with his life. They said in no uncertain terms that they will not, that the black men will not be part of the family. So the, so the federal government became daddy. Well, there was no daddy. The gang leader, the, the high, the, he became daddy. And it's led to now 80%. And what's the solution, according to the left? And it's, oh, by the way, it's all based on racism. That's what the left says. That's just racism and slavery, racism and slavery. Well, that's not true because, again, blacks were making enormous progress even within a generation, two generations after slavery. And they started losing that, those gains in the uh, 1960s. Yes, there are a lot of blacks that have made it very well Today, I mean, there are several black Americans running for, for president. Uh, that wouldn't have been possible 100 years ago. It just wouldn't have happened. Uh, and and they mostly are accepted by white people. The, these particular people that are running for president are hated by the white liberals and therefore hated by the black uh, the, the black uh, redneck culture advocates or uh, adherents. And uh, as Ben Ellison said, all you need is uh, if, if the of only 20, I think you said if 20% of the blacks, 20 to 30% of the blacks stop voting for the Democrat party, uh, they they're, they're done and they're finished. That's why they have to have such a tight control. That's why they have these people like Corey Bush, uh, Ayanna Presley pushing the race card every single time. Uh, there was a fight broke out in, the, in Bur- uh, Birmingham, Alabama. The guy, uh, I guess it was some a group of white people who had a boat docked and, the uh, and the captain of the, happened to be black. And he said, yeah, you, know, you got to move the boat. Next thing you know, they're having a, a fist fight, and a bunch of people jump in. And the, the captain, the black guy said, it wasn't racially based. It may have become that as time went on, but he said it had nothing to do with race. But, oh, the left just wants to make an issue. Let's have a race war. And Biden and Harris just go around the country pushing a race war. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that people see through this, this nonsense and don't give in to the left and have this race war. Now, this race war, it's not going to, you're not going to see, you know, millions of blacks being murdered by whites or vice versa. It's just going to cause division. And Vince Ellison said they they gain power through pushing this agenda. That's how they stay in power. Vote for this guy or else we're going to be, you know, they're going to be, you're going to be lynched. And it goes back to the reprobate mind that people who hear this stuff and they believe in it, they, it's almost like they can't possibly process information proper information i recall some years ago i was um, at a local post office in boston and outside there was a little table of uh, lyndon larouche supporters and you know i i usually sometimes i would engage them pick up uh, pick up a few of their things they offer just because they want to stay up on things and i remember that um this particular time this liberal stopped by white guy and he um, was, oh, you people are racist, you're this, you're just really going at racist and anti- you're anti-Semitic. He was calling them anti-Semites. So I had to interject and I said, look, I'm not a London larouche uh, devotee, I said, but I don't think you can make the case of anti-Semitism. And he said something, um, I, so I used, uh, I tried to use a little reasoning with him. I said, uh, would you consider Yas Arafat an anti-Semite? He says, Well, yes, of course. I said, Would you consider him a, a threat, a much bigger threat than, say, these two people here at the LaRouche table? Well, yeah, I would think so. He said, Yeah, and his goal is to basically drive the Jews to the sea. He said, Yeah, that's true. I said, Well, he just uh, was a guest at the White House. under This was when Bill Clinton was president. And I said, not only that, but he's getting millions of dollars of taxpayer money. Did you voice your concern with the, to the president or did you call the White House switchboard? And he had this glazed over look. It was just amazing that like a little truth was getting through the earlobes and he just shut down. He gave me this funny look and he said something, well, foreign policy is not, it's foreign policy. He's dealing with foreign policy. Can you imagine if I said Hitler was at the White House and, uh, you know, he just, he just did all these things Did you Yeah, but that's foreign policy. That may, it made no sense. And I like to watch these congressional hearings. Usually I'm watching them on YouTube. Forbes does a good job and I'm well or not, Forbes is a good magazine or a good source, but they do it's the raw the footage. And you'll have a Republican conservative uh interviewing some particular crazy leftist that Obama that, that um Biden has appointed, or I should say, maybe I was right, maybe Obama appointed, and Biden goes through the motions of making making the, making the it official. And they'll ask questions like how many genders there are, and they can't answer it. They can't say, well, let's, we, we've we concluded, we've, we know for a fact there's at least 40. They can't even say that. They can't say there's two. And when they asked the uh, Supreme Court justice nominee, uh, Brown, what's a woman? She said, I'm not a doctor. I can't define it. Well, you know, how about if you look in the mirror and say, okay, well, a, a woman is a, an adult female human. That's simple. And they have certain, certain body parts and certain abilities that men do not have, that males do not have. So that's pretty easy. to explain. But she couldn't even define that. She couldn't say it. That means there's something wrong with that thinking. And now, okay, we've nominated you, now you're going to, now, unless you do something, unless for bad behavior, you're going to be Supreme Court Justice, you know, until you die. Um, and that's just tragic. <laughs> and it's really challenging. It's am like, I get a copy of this book, Black Rednecks, and I say, gee, I want to send it this, 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 this liberal guy, you know, that I know. It will probably go in the trash heap. But it's important for us to understand what we're up against. And it is true that most people who vote aren't ideologues. You know, they, they watch a debate and they say, "Whoever make crack the best joke, I'll vote for that person." Or, uh, well, gee, uh, Biden. You know, Trump's and meanie Biden. I don't like him either, but you know, he's he's better than uh, he's better than Trump. And they vote for, and they vote for Biden. Uh, and of course, you've got the corporate media that will completely. Enamored by Biden, even though they know he's a complete idiot. I mean, they know inside. You know, after the cameras are turned off, they say, "I have to defend this nitwit." I can't believe it. Uh, Just recently, Woody Harrelson. Woody Woody Harrelson is a confirmed leftist. You know, an anti-American leftist millionaire, typical Hollywood uh, person. And uh, he was recently pictured wearing a Robert Kennedy for president hat. And that's going to get him, we'll get him canceled by the left. Because Kennedy is, so oh, he's pro-Trump, and he's wacky, and he's that, and he's this. It's just amazing how much influence the deep state has over people's thinking. All these anti-establishment leftists, no, you're not. You are pushing the establishment's line. And all these Antifa and Black Lives Matter think, oh yeah, we're going, we're getting after Whitey. We're, we're We're going after the establishment. You are. Enforcing the establishment, and but you, they can't see it because again they have this reprobate mind. Now there are examples of people who have come out of these things. Uh, let's pray that will be general a general falling out. Um, and I got a couple of minutes left, and I hope this thing, this recording, it will be twenty-nine minutes and thirty seconds, and not some. Um, so, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the problems we had before. So last Tuesday, I was at the uh, Trump rally in Windham, New Hampshire. Wyndham is a town just a short distance over the Massachusetts border. It took place on a Tuesday afternoon, and it was pretty hot out and therefore hot in, even though with the air conditioning. It was in the high school gymnasium, Wyndham High School. I think it held, I was told it held 2,000, and there were people on the, of course, chairs on the, on the, on the court and around the uh, the bleachers. And I was able to get a VIP pass. Uh, I have a few friends who are involved in the campaign. Now this is the first time I attended a Trump rally. And there were thousands of people there. Now, the place was full inside. And outside, there was several thousand people that knew they would never be able to get there, uh, get a seat, but it was just the environment and the atmosphere. And someone asked me if there was a PA outside. I don't know. It may have been, because by the time I... And I After the event, I, you know, networked a little bit with people and I spoke to Corey Lewandowski and a few other people, people being introduced to me. So, uh, but one of the things that amazed me about Trump, I'm saying, where's the teleprompter? He had a number of people that spoke before him, you know, short little speeches, and they stayed on the stage. Uh, or I should say they spoke. And then they, when Trump came on, they were already on the stage. And he's thanking them. And he sent in a former senator, Bob Smith, and he knew a little bit about Bob Smith. And then this guy and that guy and this lady, and he's thanking people. I said, he's not. there's no notes in front of him. He's talking about building a VA hospital in New Hampshire and in in Tilton or wherever it was. And he knows more about the state than most people that live in the state. I was just amazed by that. Anyway, and I upload, and I want to point out that we do not endorse candidates uh, as Camp Constitution, but, you know, we had v- Vivek at our camp, and we, uh, in, we upload that video. We got almost 18,000 views at this point. Well, we're running out of time. Thank you for listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shurtleff, and until next week, may God richly bless you.